didn't you appreciate seeing Pastor Gabe today? Wasn't that great? Uh, We had talked about this and, and, you know, I just, Jeremy and I encouraged him to say, you know, this is, this is going to be a great gift to all of us to be able to see you. And it was. Um, One thing before we get into the word, uh, we have a uh, carry out policy. You're going to be carrying out your little cups. There'll be um, little um, waste baskets that you can throw those in as you go. So nobody else has to to pick up after you. So thank you for doing that. Um, you know, a lot of people have, have and I'm being one of them, uh, struggled this past year with, you know, things going on that I didn't expect, I didn't like, I didn't want, didn't feel like I deserved. And, uh, you know, I had to really be, be very careful, very aware of my attitudes and, and my perspectives and my outlooks. Um, there, were, there were times that, you know, I honestly, I, I said to God, I quit. <laughs> I hope that doesn't surprise you because I'm no different than you. Uh, I, I remember Tommy Barnett. I had, had been sitting in a meeting that Tommy Barnett, who um, uh, has pastored for years and years and years, actually he is my pastor, Pastor Jonathan's pastor. Tommy Barnett is Pastor Jonathan's pastor. And hearing him say, you know what, it's not a bad thing if you come to that place where you want to quit. And I, when I heard that, I was like, what? And then he explained it. He said, the reason why it's not a bad thing is you need to recognize you're actually doing something. There are a lot of people that aren't doing anything. They're, they're, they're afraid. They're afraid to fail. They're afraid to uh, put themselves out there. They're afraid to um, experience something that's more difficult than they expected or... or uh, intended to to uh, experience and you know that's true about life there there are a lot of people and a lot of times we we may be fearful one of the biggest fears do you know what one of the biggest fears is yeah public speaking is is up there right at the top and I can absolutely affirm that but one of the big two two of the biggest are fear of missing out okay FOMO you've ever heard that also fear of failure a lot of people don't do anything because they're afraid they're going to fail. Uh, there was somebody that was teaching a course in juggling, and, and they started out not with balls or anything else. They used like little handkerchief scarves because you have more time to be able to catch it as it falls. And the first thing that the instructor of this juggling class did, uh, she said, take all your scarves, throw them up, and don't grab them. And everybody kind of looked at her and was, what? Yeah, throw them up and don't grab them. Let them hit the floor. Well, why would we do that? Because then you've failed and you've gotten over it and you can get back to doing what you're doing. You know that, that that's behind you. You know, we're all going to fail. We're all, as far as failing, we may not accomplish what we intend to accomplish right from the beginning, but the only real failure is one who quits. That's the only way we can actually fail is when we quit. And, and too many people are... are Given in, giving up, resigning themselves to, I guess this is just it. It's not just it. If you and I as children of God have not seen what he has promised, it's not over. And the reason why it's not is he's not finished. 
Amen? And so that's where uh, we've got to realize there are going to be things that we may not do the best the first time. It's, it's, it's so true of so many people that have impacted and influenced us uh, in the world that we live in. People thought that they weren't going to amount to anything. Uh, Albert Einstein was one of them, all right? Uh, he didn't speak until he was four. He didn't write until he was seven. Teachers described him as slow, unsociable, and adrift in foolishness. They wrote him off. They figured they'd, he'd never accomplish anything, and we know that he has. I mean, how foolish was the person who said that he was foolish? It was just uninformed. They were unaware. They couldn't see. But you know who saw? God. God sees what other people don't see. And, and it's true about Disney, Walt Disney. He was fired from the first few jobs he had. But look what he's been able to do. He, he's brought enjoyment and entertainment to so many hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. Thomas Edison, it took him a thousand attempts to create the light bulb. And when he was asked about his failures, or so-called failures, uh, he said, I have had 10,000 opportunities to find out what didn't work. What a great perspective, right? And in a number of those situations that he didn't accomplish, what he set out to accomplish, other things were developed. It's like the post-it notes. Do you know that that was a mistake? Yeah, the glue that was created for post-it notes was a failure of them trying to create another type of glue. But look what's happened. You know, all sorts of people use them. I use them all the time. But this is where we've got to realize that we may not get it perfect or, or right the first time. And likelihood is, for those of you that are perfectionists, you're never going to get it perfect. But we can gain on it. And, and we've been learning. We've been learning about choices that we make and how God has given us the opportunity to make choices. And our choices affect not only ourselves, but the people around us. And they can affect ourselves and the people around us for good or for detriment and that's what we found out in Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19 and 20 we're going to go back here again and today we're ending this this uh, series as far as I know <laughs> but but this is this is what God said today I have given who given you God's telling you today, you've got choices. I've given you the opportunity to make choices. See, if we don't feel we have a choice, then whatever happens to us, we're a victim. It's not our responsibility. There are too many people that are victims. You can't be a victim and be victorious. And God says you're overwhelmingly more than a conqueror. So you have a choice. Not in what happens to you, but what you do with what comes to you. We always have that choice. That's a freedom that we have. But he said, I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessing and curses. Blessings and curses. So we learn this. It goes on to say, oh, that you would choose life so that you and your defendants might live. You make this choice by, and he tells us how we make a choice for life and blessing. 
This isn't, a cho- this isn't how we make the choice for death and curses. This is the, how we make the choice for life and blessing. If we want life and blessing, this is what we have to do. We have to love the Lord our God. We have to obey him. And we have to commit ourselves firmly to him. And then it goes on to say, this is the key to your life. So if we want life and blessing, what do we have to do? Somebody tell me one thing we have to do. Love the Lord God. Choose to love the Lord God. What's the second one? Obey our our Lord. And the third one? Commit ourselves firmly to him. Not I'm committed today and and tomorrow we run into some sort of obstacle, some sort of opposition. We say, you know, I'm out of here. Do you know why? Because the Bible says an unstable man... um, a man that is unstable in all his ways will receive nothing from God. When we're back and forth, in and out, up and down, we're undoing, we're setting ourselves up not to receive what God has. God has for you to be absolutely rock solid stable in a very unstable world. Do you, can you agree with me today that the world we live in is really unstable? Is it getting more Stable or more unstable? I want you to know that's going to continue. That is going to continue. It's going to become more unstable. But you and I don't have to be afraid because of the instability of the world, because our focus and our reliance, our confidence isn't in the world or shouldn't be. Even the systems of the world. We can't put our faith in the systems of the world because they're coming apart. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. So that's where we put our confidence, our faith, our trust, our security in God who never changes. Man, I'm telling you, that ought to to allow us to sleep at night when everybody else is up like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. Well, that's because of what you're putting your confidence in, what you're choosing to rely on. But if you put your hope in God, you don't have to be afraid. God has never failed. And God will never fail. And if you haven't seen what God has promised, he's not done yet. And so this is is what we found out, that there's choices, choices that we make. And we began to look at Moses' life and we looked at three of the four choices that Moses made for him to have the best blessed life that God had for him in a fallen world. Listen, remember, this is a fallen world. There's stuff that's gonna happen here to you. It's not God's intention because in this world, the enemy's able to operate. People are able to make free choices just like you and me can make free choices. When the woman that hit me Hit me, she made a choice to take drugs and do alcohol that impaired her to the place where she couldn't even discern what direction the people around her were going or what direction she should go. Now, I experienced what I experienced because of her choice, but also the choices I made. I made a choice to get on my motorcycle and ride that day. If I had chosen to go any other way, wouldn't have happened but I made my choice. Did God have control of all that? No, God gave us all free choice. But in the midst of what I experienced, 
I found a depth to my relationship with God that I had never found before in my life. And that's, again, God working all things out for good. Bad things happen to good people, just like good things happen to bad people. But God can take the bad that comes to you if you and I choose to trust him and to track with him, to follow him, and, and he can work it out for good. He can bring good out of bad, and I have seen that in my life, and I'm sure you have too. But we have to make choices along the way. God has a plan for you, right? Jeremiah 29, 11, what's, the, what's it say? God, I know the plans I have for you. Plans for what? And not for evil with a future and a hope. So when evil comes into your life, is it God? No. But evil does come into our lives because we live in a fallen world. You can't, you can't hide from it. It will find you. But understand this, no matter what comes at you, the greater one lives within you. Oh, come on. If you knew whatever you were ever going to face for the rest of your life, you had more than enough to overcome it, would it ever scare you? No. No, it wouldn't. We'd, we might be surprised by it, but we would never be in fear of it. And that's where we've got to keep the reference point. Who is that that lives in you? God. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. He energizes you. He imparts to you. He guides you. So whatever you encounter, you're, you don't have to go through it alone. But he won't force you. He won't force any of us. And so with Moses, we saw the choices that he made. And in Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 24, we're going to quickly go through this. Uh, it says, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So the first thing he did was, the first choice he made, he refused. What did he refuse? He refused what the world was trying to do to him. He refused to let the world guide him and govern him. He refused to let the world Determine who he was. Give him an identity. Give him a worth. Give him a value. What did he do? He pushed back on the world. Folks, I want you to know that's the choice we have to make. We have to push back on the world. The world is pushing on you and me. Are you aware of that? Well, we're not always because we have lived so long in the world. It's just kind of what happens. But there's such a force right now, such a, uh, a pressure to conform to the world that if we don't celebrate what the world celebrates, they think that we are bad. Listen, we're not bad. The Bible says in the days we live in, the times we live in, what will happen is bad will be called good and good will be called bad and you can see it every day. And so there are going to be people that are going to try to say, you've got to conform to this. You need to line up. You need to be of the same perspectives, the same values, and the same pursuits as us. And I'm telling you, that's the way of death. We can't afford that. So he refused. He pushed back. Then it says in verse 25, he chose to be mistreated along with God's people rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasure of sin. So the next thing, once he refused, he pushed back. It gave him room to now choose. And what did he choose? 
He chose to be mistreated, something that was difficult, but why did he choose what was difficult, what was, naturally speaking, undesirable? Because he wanted to be with God and God's people. All right? Instead of enjoying the pleasure of sin for a season. If, if we're pleasure-focused or comfort or ease-focused, we're, we're not going to walk in the things of God because, you know, it, it takes a determination to do that. We, we, we have to choose to follow God, and following God isn't the most popular thing. It's not the easiest thing, but the one thing it always is is the best thing. When, when we obey God, we choose blessings and life. And that's what Moses did. He chose blessings and life because he chose to be with God and his people instead of the fleeting pleasures of sin. He chose to be mistreated. We've got to do that too. We've got to choose sometimes the hard choices. We have to choose short-term pain for long-term gain. All right? So we have to refuse and we have to choose. And the third thing he did, he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. So the third choice he made was he regarded or he valued, he esteemed, he determined value or worth. Now, last week I asked you in the service, what are your top three things that you value? And you need to answer it in five seconds or less. It shouldn't be that hard. They should be predetermined. Before you have to make a decision, these things ought to be set. Because if they're not set, it's going to bring confusion to you in every decision you make. You're going to be like, I'm not sure what to do. But if you've set these things, it brings real clarity and conciseness and not ease in the sense of it's, it's an easy choice, but it's easier to determine whether it's something I need to say yes to or no to. It's, it helps you quickly decide if you've set your values, what you value. Because you can quickly say, no, that's not it. That doesn't take me the direction that what I have valued. I value God. I value my family. I value whatever. And, and this isn't taking me towards the fulfillment of that value. Right? Do you understand? And so that's where he, he regarded, he valued disgrace. Is disgrace valuable? No, not in and of itself, but for the sake of Christ. He valued, he, he, he felt that, he determined that the value of being disgraced was worth it because it was for the sake of Christ. People were going to look down on him. People were going to treat him badly, but it was because of Christ. So he valued Christ and what Christ was doing, what, what God had for him to do and God's people, that it didn't matter if it, the disgrace came along with it. All right? More than the treasures of Egypt because... There was a purpose, there was a way that he was doing this because he was looking ahead. You may not know what's in your future, but there's somebody who does, and that's God. The, God, the future God has for you, the plans God has for you is good. 
And if you and I look to God, if we value God, if we choose God above all things and keep on track with that, keep our choices on track with that, um, we're going to experience the best blessed life we can in this fallen world. But this is a key to the other two, two decisions, two choices that, that Moses made. The values. If you don't set values, you won't be able to know what to push back on, what, what to not accept, and what to track with. But if you do set your values, you'll know. Man, I don't, I don't want to be defined. I refuse to be defined by the world. I refuse to be influenced by the world. But I do want to be influenced by God and by God's people. So I refuse and then I choose because of what I've valued. See, this is the foundation. This is the key to what you and I have to do first. Even though it comes third, it was really something he had done first or he never would have refused. And so in this, we've learned these three, three choices that Moses made. Now we're going to go on to the last and final choice that we see in this uh, that, that, that was in verse 20, 27. It says, by faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. There's a lot here. There's a tremendous amount. And we're just going to scratch the surface. You need to look into this. You need to study this. And that's true about everything. You know, don't just take what you hear in this place or here today and, and just run with it. You know, go back and look at the scriptures for yourself. Go back and study. Go back and meditate. Go back and research. And, and do your work too because this is built into me. I have built this into me because of my study. And I'm trying to share it with you, but you've got to build it into you. I can't build it into you. Nobody can build it into you but you. And so today, I'm just going to pray right now because it's important you get what God has for you. Not everything that's said is for you, but something is. Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your provision here. We thank you for your spirit and your word. We thank you for your life, your abundant life, your best blessed life you have for us that, that we could walk in this. But Father, we know that there is a, a way. And Father, your way is the way. And there's truth that, that sets us free and keeps us free. Father, there's also power. Power available by your spirit for us to be what you have for us to be and do what you have for us to do. And so today, Father, I thank you for hearing hearts, open hearts, to receive what you want to plant so that, Father, your blessing, your life, your plan and purpose and provision and power would be realized more fully than ever before in our lives. And we thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. So right here, we see so many things, but it says, by faith. You know, this was all about faith. This chapter that we're reading is, is the faith chapter. And, and when we look at faith, it's what we have to operate in. The Bible says without faith, we can't please God. The Bible says we're to walk by faith and not by sight. That's a real departure from what we've learned growing up. We walk by what we see. And this is saying you can't trust what you see. You can't trust your senses. But what you can trust is God. 
And, and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It is only by the word of God that your faith and my faith develop. It's by the word of God. It's concrete. It never changes. We have to have a faith focus on the word of God. And so it says by faith, by faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, the beginning of this chapter tells us about faith. This is what it says. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's really cerebral. Substance, evidence, you know, hope for. But here's how it breaks down. Faith is the substance. Substance is a word that means something to put under to support. It's a foundation or a firm assurance. That's what this, this word substance means. It means a firm assurance. Faith is the firm assurance, okay? So we've got that. That's what faith is. It starts out with a firm assurance of things hoped for. Now, we know we've, we've heard about what hope is. Hope is a confident expectation of good or of God having his way. So, so faith is a substance, the firm assurance of the confident expectation of good that we're going to get from God. So it's a really strong confidence in the goodness of God and what he's promised and what he can do. And then it says, and the evidence of things not seen. Now, if, if somebody brings evidence to you, what does that cause in your life? Does it cause you to believe something that you formerly didn't believe to be true? If it's evidence, it's undeniable, correct? It's something that you take and you receive it, and now it gives you a tenacity. It gives you a, a, a strength to believe something to be true. So this is all about being absolutely convinced. Faith is being convinced. It's really being convinced of what God has promised and who God is, that good is going to happen. When you and I have faith, there is no ability for fear to overcome us. And the reason why is because our faith has a focus and it's God and his word. When we are viewing God and his word, when we not only view it, but we have a firm assurance a confident expectation of the good that God has promised and said he would provide. And then we have evidence. We have something that causes us to be so unchangingly set in what we believe to be true, which is who God is and what he'd do. And you say, well, how, how can I ever get to that? By choosing. Every time we doubt, it's a choice. It's a choice to believe something other than God. Every time we have faith, it's a choice, a choice to believe nothing but God. We've got to choose who we're going to believe. And we need to make that choice and that value. I value what God says over what I feel over what I think, over what I see, over what I experience, over what other people experience, because I have chosen to value that God is the same. 
yesterday, today, and forever. He's not going to change. That was a choice, a decision I made to believe God over my own feelings, over my own experience, over what I can sense, over what I hear from everybody else. It's a choice. Well, how'd you make that choice? I just decided that's what I'm going to do. And every time I come to that situation where a choice is necessary, I remember, oh yeah, I already chose. I chose God. But it's hard sometimes, isn't it? Maybe it's not for you. I guess I'm the only one here. It's hard sometimes to, to not give my attention and, and my confidence to what I'm feeling or what somebody else experienced or what somebody else says. But that's where I've already set the value. I know what I have put as first. He's got to be first. His word's got to be first. His way's got to be first. That's, that's it. So by faith, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Not seen. Not yet revealed. How much is not yet revealed? Yeah, your tomorrow is not yet revealed, and yet God knows it. And God knows what the, the snares of the enemy are, but he also knows where the blessings are, and he's going to help lead you through, not to the exclusion of the attacks of the enemy, but in the midst of the attacks, just like Paul. Paul had a thorn in the flesh. Prayed three times. God said, no, I'm, I'm not taking it away, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you my grace, my empowering presence for you to be able to overcome this. Because if God just removed it, what do you think Paul would think the next time it showed up? <gasps> oh, my gosh, here it is again. Time to run. But if he saw God provide what he needed to overcome that, the next time it shows up, he's going to be like, oh, yeah, you again. You know, we went through this before, and, and God brought me through. That's why we don't avoid these things. We go through these things. And too many Christians are living a life of avoidance, not being led by God, but, but running away from difficulties. And you can't run from difficulties. You can't run far enough or long enough. They'll catch you. And that's why it's good to stand your ground in God and go through them. Go through them. Go through them. Back to Hebrews chapter uh, 11, verse 27. By faith, what did he do? He left Egypt. Now, Egypt is a type and shadow of the world and the world's ways. He left the world and its ways. Now, we're in this world and we're not of this world. We're not supposed to follow the ways of the world, correct? But it's real hard because they're all the time trying to get us to align with them, trying to get us to agree with them, trying to get us to affirm what they're doing. And, and if we don't haven't set a value on what's more valuable than what the world thinks is what God thinks. We're going to fall prey to it. But it says he left. Now, in, in the, the King James Version, the original term uh, in King James is forsook. It's not a word that we use when you forsake something. The only other time I remember the word forsake is when Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. 
Now this, this word left or forsake is a very specific word and it's really important that we recognize what this is. It means to turn your back on something. Now if you turn your back on something, likelihood is you aren't gonna go back to it, correct? And so it means that you are not going to physically go back to something. You don't go back to things by backing up, right? You usually face forward when you're going towards them, correct? If you guys do it the other way, I want to know when you're backing out today and leaving the parking lot because I don't want to be around. But, but it, 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 it has this idea of just, and it's almost rude. You know, if somebody's talking to you and you do this, does, is that a disrespect? Yeah, it's really a slice. It's cutting right there. And this, this means to turn your back on it. Don't go back. Physically, but it also is a turning your back on it in your heart, in your, your thought life and your emotions. Because sometimes we don't go back to things, right? But we think about them. Our emotions are kind of migrating back to this. This says you don't give yourself that opportunity. And that's what he did. He didn't give his, himself the opportunity to think about Egypt again or his emotions, his feelings to go back there. Why? Because you can't look back and go ahead. I don't know who this is for, but this is for somebody here today. You can't look back at the stuff that's behind you and walk into what God has for you. You have to let it go. And if you don't, you'll never experience what God has for you because you're keeping yourself out. And God wants you to experience everything he has for you, but if you keep looking back, you'll never make progress forward into all that God has for you. So by faith he left. He turned his back on Egypt physically, mentally, and emotionally. There wasn't a drawback again. We've got to do that with the things of the world. And it says, not fearing the king's anger. He, he wasn't afraid of the king's anger. This is Pharaoh. This is the guy who's, number one, he's all powerful. He, he could do anything that he wanted physically speaking, naturally speaking. And, and Moses said, no. No, I'm, I'm not going to be afraid of the king. Not of his anger. Psalm, this isn't going to be up there. Psalm 118 verse 6 says, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? We don't need to be afraid of what people can do to us. The worst anybody can do to us? What is it? Kill us. Man, that's sending me to see Jesus. Listen, there's nothing that people can do that God can't undo. Nothing that people can do that God can't overcome. So there's nothing to fear from people. We don't have to be afraid, and yet most people are deathly afraid of what other people think. I, as a kid, was just racked with fear about what other people thought. So much so that I would... I would beg and scream and cry and bawl and squall when my parents wanted to go on vacation. You know why? Because I was afraid I was going to be left out. I was going to be talked about. I was gonna... 
And so I was willing to give up a great blessing because of fear. How many blessings do you and I give up because we're afraid? I, I, I would tell you I think it's more than we would ever want to acknowledge. And that's why you can't let fear rule you. The Bible says God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and a sound mind. Moses was focused. He wasn't looking at fear. He was in faith. He had a faith focus on God. Not fearing, and this is what he did. By faith, he forsook Egypt. He didn't fear the king's anger. He what? Persevered. Persevered. He endured. He kept on keeping on. He wouldn't quit. Anybody can do this, but it's a choice. But it's hard. You know what? There are a lot of things you do that are hard, but you do them because what you're doing it to get to or accomplish, you have determined the value is worth it. And the moment the value is not worth what you're going through, we want to quit. I want you to know God and his will, his ways, his kingdom is worth whatever we have to go through. It's always worth it. Well, how do you know that? Because the Bible tells me so. Yeah, but you don't have any guarantee. Nope, I don't. Nothing but the, the word of God uh, who never lies, who has always been right, will always be right, will always back up his word. I got nothing. Versus what the world tells me? Come on. What my feelings tell me? Choice. Choice. He persevered or endured. The King James has endured. And this, this word means to continue through difficulties, opposition, obstacles, and discouragement. It, you just keep on keeping on. There was a man that used to come here. A mighty man of God. Yep. Jeremy remembers him. His name was Albert Willis. Albert Willis was an older guy that God had used in just mighty ways. And, and Albert would always, somewhere in the message, he would do the Albert shuffle. That's what I called it, the Albert shuffle. It's hard to do it on steps. I'll do it up here because I don't want to fall in front of you. So I think almost everybody can see me. Albert would say, I'm going on and on and on. He would take tiny steps. On and on and on and on. I ain't stopping. I'm going on and on and And he did. Albert just kept going on. Finally, Albert went on to be with the Lord. And you know what Albert's doing? He's still going on. But you know what? That's what you and I are supposed to do. There's no end we do here what we're going to do there. We just start early. Why would you or I want to get to heaven and have to change what we're doing? Man, start doing it here and just keep going on. Just keep going on. He persevered. He just kept going through. Going through opposition, obstacles, difficulties, discouragement. Did Moses have any of that? Holy moly. Yes. Do you have any of that? 
Absolutely. You can't live in denial. You need to be honest. And you need to realize this stuff comes, but it doesn't have to overcome. We make a choice if I'm going to be overcome by it or I'm going to overcome it by the grace of God for the glory of God. And, and so perseverance or endurance is a combination of two things. Persistence and patience. Persistence and patience. When I talk about persistence, it's about a determination to keep moving. How many of you know you can determine to keep moving, but there may be a stop? I know when I drive down here, I want to keep moving through every light, but sometimes there's a red one. And I'm not going to drive through a red light. And so I hit that red light and I stop. Now, I could, I could sit there, and I've done this, and be all upset and bothered and, and you know, just blah, 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 blah. I, I don't have time for this. I'm the only one that does that too, I guess. But then it turns green. You know, we need to be persistent. We need to go as far as we can go. When there is a roadblock, what do you do? Oh, I just turn around and I go home and sit on the couch. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you know, somebody said, winners never quit and quitters never win. I think that's pretty accurate. What happens when you get to that place? You can't move any farther in your life. You, you've gone as far as you can. You've followed God. You've trusted God. And now there's a barrier, and it's too big for you to dispose of. What are you going to do? That's where you've got to have patience. Patience isn't just, you know, the Jeopardy song. Da, 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 da. It's not that. Patience is waiting with expectation to continue on. It's, it's not, not a situation where we're anxious or annoyed. Now, I say that, and I know I'm talking to me, because when I'm patient, sometimes I am anxious. I am annoyed. But what God's helping me understand is when we're patient, it's not a frustration we have a confidence we're going to continue on. The Bible says God opens doors no man can close, and God closes doors no man can open. Now, the enemy may throw something in your way, and he may not move it out of your way until the right time, as he deems time is right, not as you deem or I deem. And so it's a calmness and an assurance knowing that we're going to continue on and we're going to get to where we were going where God had for us to go. This is just a pause. There are pauses in all of our lives. All of us need pauses. We may not think we do, but we do. That's what sleep does. Kind of pauses you. But you, when you wake up, do you pick up where you left off? I, I don't know. I do. But that's, that's you know, persevere. You got to persevere. You have to endure. Because if you don't have perseverance, if you don't have endurance, you can do a sprint, but you can't run the race that God has for you because the race God has for you and me to run is not a 100-yard dash. It's not the 40-yard dash. It's not the 10-yard dash. It's not a jump. It's a marathon. And, and I, I look at Cassie right here, and 
You know, her husband told me this morning, oh, when we're done here, she's going out to run. She's running from Walmart to our house. And I was like, what? <laughs> and, and then we talked a little bit about how wise we as men are. Because you and I, we do it on the treadmill inside where it's warm. But Cassie's just tougher than we are. <laughs> but, but that's, you don't go out and run a marathon. You could run to the back of the church, but some of you would be like, <gasps> some of us, I'm sorry. <laughs> but if you're in it for the long haul, you got to build up endurance. You've got to learn how to persevere. And none of that, building endurance or perseverance is not quick or easy, but it's worth it. It's worth it. So he persevered, he endured. Persevered, endured. Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2, it says this. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles. You know what? If you're going to run, you better get light. Don't be carrying all this stuff with you. Let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. This is how you run. This is how you persevere. How do you get to the end? You keep a focus on what is valuable. What is our number one value as Christians? That, that took way too long. Way too long. If anybody ever, ever asked you what's the most important thing in your life, it should be a no-brainer God, all right? So that's where it says, you run this race with perseverance. How? Fixing your eyes on Jesus. That's the focus that will keep you going and keep you calm and patient when you can't go any farther, but you know there's more to go and you will eventually because your eyes are on Jesus, you know he can take care of it. Hello? Romans 5, 15, or 15, 5 says this. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement, endurance, perseverance, he gives it to you. What, what has to happen if, if you're being given something? You got to know that it's yours to be received and then you've got to receive it and then you've got to use it. Listen, folks, we have the, since being born again, we have the ability to walk in perseverance, patience, and endurance. It's just whether we choose to or not. The moment I get upset and I just blow off, it was a choice. I could have not chosen that. And when I choose to value me more than I value God, then I'm tending to do those fleshy things. But when I value God more than me and I value other people more than me, then I'm going to keep a lid on it. I can tell that's not going over real well. I had a lid on it. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had. Another translation says, 
as you follow Christ Jesus. As you follow Christ Jesus. As Christ Jesus had. What's our focus? God. What's our priority? What's the most important value? If you keep that there, you'll keep on going. Keep on keeping on. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, it says, your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Endurance is connected to hope. A confident expectation of God, of good. When you know what you're going towards is worth it, you're going to keep going. You're going to keep going. The only reason why we quit is the same reason why Peter sank. Remember Pete? Hey, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to get out of the boat. Well, Jesus is out there walking on the water in the storm, and he says, it's me. Hey, Pete, come. Peter gets out of the boat. He's walking on the water, and he doesn't sink immediately, but he sank when he got his eyes off Christ. Same thing that happens to you and me. When we lose focus on God, on his word and his ways, we begin to sink. We begin to be overwhelmed by the stuff in this world. It takes us under. And we can't afford that. And God doesn't have that for you. There's a clear connection between our endurance, our perseverance, and our focus on Christ. The more you can focus on God, the more confidence you have in God, the more you're going to persevere through hell or high water. The less we know, the less we are confident in, the less we, the more likely we are to quit. So he, pers- he, he endured because he was inspired by the hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Go back to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 27. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because. Now we're going to find out why. Because what? Oh yeah, because he saw him who's invisible. Does that, does that cause you any discomfort? I guess not. I saw him who's invisible. Have any, any challenge with that? <laughs> if he's invisible, how do you see him? You know what? You do a lot of things by faith. And, and today we did something. Pastor Gabe led us in communion. When was the last time you saw Jesus? Oh, when was the last time you sat down with Jesus? Now, you may say, I, I sat with him before I came here. Yeah, but did you see him? No. No, you did not see him. You know, God is kind of like the wind. You don't see him, but you see his effects. There are some people that can say, I saw Jesus. They're no longer here in the earth. But you and I, we see him with our mind's eye. Through faith. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. You operated in faith in that moment. How did you see Jesus? How do you know Jesus? Because of what you know from the word from what you've read, what you've heard. 
and, and, and that is in line with the scripture because there's a lot of stuff out there that people are saying about Jesus that isn't true. Looking because he saw him who is invisible. Jesus was asked by the disciples to show them the Father. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus is the exact image of the Father, of the invisible God. And so we see God, we see Jesus, we keep our focus through the things we know from the word of God. That's what that's there for, is help, helping us to get a picture of who he is so we can focus our faith. And, and it says, because he saw him who is invisible, he also was, Moses was looking for the reward. Do you know what your reward is for persevering? Second Timothy chapter one, or chapter two, verse 12 says this. If we endure, we shall also what? Reign with him. That's total domination. Total victory. Totally an overcomer. If we endure, we reign with him. Is reigning with him worth the endurance? The perseverance? See, I, I've answered that question. Yeah, but what if I don't see it in this life? I'm not living for this life. This life is so short. I'm living for eternity. But I know there's benefits here. Remember, you have to refuse. Then you have to choose. Then you have to determine value. But that's the first thing you actually have to do. And then you have to keep on keeping on. If we do those four things, we're going to overcome every time. We're going to see the abundant, blessed life that God has for us. But we have to do it for us in our lives. We can't do it for anybody else. Amen? Like every head bowed, every eye closed. It's important right now that you, you've heard what you've heard. You make the adjustments that you recognize you need to make. And you may need to write some things down so that you don't forget what God is having you do. And I'm just going to pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for every one of your children here today. I thank you for your plan for them that's good. But Father, I thank you that we all recognize the freedom of choice that we have, the decisions that we're going to be making, 34,000 plus a day. Father, we need you to be involved, at least to the point where we are focused and deciding uh, with a reference point of you, your word, your ways, that we would not deviate from that because that's how we choose blessings in life, by loving you, by obeying you, and by committing ourselves firmly to you. And as we do, we can refuse to allow the world to define us or squeeze us into its mold. We can choose to align ourselves with you and the people of God. Even when we have to make uncomfortable and even difficult choices, but they're right because they're your way. Then, Father, we, we regard, we value you and your ways, your things, your kingdom, your righteousness, more than all the treasures 
And we know there's a reward for that. And Father, then we just keep on keeping on. We endure. We persevere. Father, I thank you that you seal this to our hearts and help us to walk and live this out every day. Father, help us recognize the adjustments we need to make and the things we need to solidify. We thank you, Father, for this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Would you stand?